The NASCAR Xfinity Series is where names are made. And at Daytona, those names are bringing a whole lot of smoke. Austin wants the smoke. Justin wants the smoke. Cole and Haley, give them all the smoke. There's plenty to go around. But remember, if you can smell the smoke, that means you're not the one making it. The NASCAR Xfinity Series at Daytona, February 17th. Get your tickets now at DaytonaInternationalSpeedway.com. Not at the track? The Hot Pass Racing Network puts you at the track with ARCA and all the major NASCAR series. From Daytona to the final checkered flag, the Hot Pass Racing Network is your inside pass. All right, everyone, I'd like to welcome you down, down on the floor here at Daytona International Speedway. We're in the Hard Rock Fan Zone up on Radio Row, and I want to thank everybody at Daytona for making this possible each year. We do it three times a year, guys. If you've been here and not stop by, stop by and grab a picture. We've, we've had several people that I know from other races and uh, friends here that stopped by and some new folks. So uh, we're at the Fan Zone today. We're going to be here. We kind of got a late start because we had a late last night, guys, but Arkham Menard Series called that race to start at 10.30 last night. It was supposed to have been a, le- a 1 o'clock start today, but with the weather like it is, which, guys, it's not raining, so uh, we still got, we're still we still on set for the scheduled time for the Xfinity race. We'll, we're going to forget about the weather and come, and come out here and, and do what we do, so get ready for, for the uh, Xfinity race. They're qualifying. Should be almost wrapped up, but we're going to... Media Day was Wednesday, and I was uh, fortunate enough to be in there and be part of it. And we're going to start this thing off with, the, uh, I think, Ryan Blaney is who we're going to start with. Might as well start with the champion first. And uh, hang on. And if you if you like it, tell your friends that it's whether they can find it. And you go back to the show, and uh, archives pop up. So appreciate you tuning in and uh, sharing it with other folks. Welcome to 2024 Daytona 500 Media Day. We are going to go ahead and get started with our first press conference of the day. We are now joined by the 2023 NASCAR Cup Series champion, Ryan Blaney, driver of the number 12 Team Penske Ford. If you have a question for Ryan, please raise your hand. We will get a wireless microphone to you. We'll start here with Jacob. Jacob Zuman, Race Race Digital, kicking the tires down there. Ryan, uh, you got the championship last year. You've watched a teammate win this race, but this is the, this, this feels like the hole in the resume right now. How important would it be, especially off the back of the Cup championship, to add a 500 ring to that legacy? Yeah, I, I feel like um, you know, I've been close to this thing a couple times and uh, had a good shot to win it You know, a couple years ago um, and just didn't work out. So, I mean, I, I've been... When people ask me that, you know, I mean, that's the dream deal, right? I mean, you win the championship, turn right around and win the 500. I mean, that's, I think the last person to do it was Dale Jarrett, 2000, I think someone said. Uh, so it's about time someone uh, maybe does it again. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, you just try to learn from experiences, you know, from previous races, you know, here and uh, figure out 
hey, what, what did we do well to put us in a spot to win? And what decisions, you know, did I make that, that kind of kept us out of victory lanes? And you just hope to find yourself in those spots again and try to make the right decision. Uh, so we'll see. Just try to be rolling at the end of it, and um, and hopefully you're there. But um, I'm excited for it. It should be great. And try to keep, you know, add the 500 onto to RP's uh, Rolex 24 that he got uh, not too long ago here. We're next to Mike Embry. <clears throat> Mike Embry, Auto Week. Do you go into Sunday expecting there will be overtime? Uh, honestly, it's not really something I think about. Um, if there is one, I'd like to make it to overtime. I mean, that's uh, one of the biggest parts. But, yeah, I mean, I think you've seen that a lot here recently, you know, and, and uh, it's just a product of it, right? You get down to the last handful of laps and people are shoving super hard and, you know, you have people shoving hard in wrong places and you cause big wrecks, you know. I mean, that's just what it is. And um, so I, I wouldn't say I expect overtime. Like I said, it's not really something I think about, but it's something that seems to be a normal thing now. For the last 10 laps of the race, do you go back over the last couple of years' videos and, and look at specific drivers and what they do over those final laps? Do you kind of put that into your head? Yeah, yeah, I, I look at it all. Um, you know, I, I watch. Yeah, so, for example, like I watch uh, you know, through the couple of weeks leading up to this race, I watch, you know, last year's 500, watch 22's 500. Uh, I watch each summer race from here last couple of years or not summer but you know the second race here um and i watch even you know some talladega races just drafting tracks right just trying to see scenarios and i i usually look at you know at other places i look at my scenarios what did we and that's just me and my spotter do that work of like what did we do well what did we do poorly um but yeah even the finishes here it's like all right well what did move did this guy make at the end of the race you know last year in 22 that, that got him the win uh so yeah you, you try to study all that and you never know. There's a million trillion different situations that can pop up, but you try to just figure out, hey, maybe there's some similarities to this situation that you might find yourself in, and you just try to dump, you know, all this stuff into your brain that might, you know, you hope to subconsciously pop up if you are in that position, um, and, it, and it worked out for those guys who ended up winning the race. Steven Sum, Frontage.com. Uh, Ryan Ford this year as the dark horse knows. Um, do you foresee any kind of differences in how – the car will push or be pushed in comparison to last year's Mustangs? Yeah, I mean, it's shaped a little bit differently. Um, but it's, it's hard to tell. You know, you can look at it as much as you want. You can test it in the wind tunnel as much as you want. You can make your assumptions. But until we get out there in the duels tomorrow night, it's hard to tell. You know, until you actually have somebody pushing you down the front stretch, pushing you down the back stretch, you know, getting pushed pushing somebody else like you just you just don't know so uh, that's the best way to test it I've always been a field tester um, that's the way best way you're going to find your data um, but I think it's going to be hopefully it's fairly similar I mean I thought that was what made our the Ford so strong uh, at these speedways was the, our ability to push and take pushes from obviously fellow Fords but other manufacturers as well um, so hopefully we still have that strength and, and I think we will and then uh, as the defending champion this year can you kind of describe if, there, if there's any differences in how your team has kind of approached or entered this weekend in com comparison to past years? Um, you know, I, I think it just it builds confidence, right, in our whole group, right? Um, it's not only me. It's, it's everybody on our team uh, having confidence and, and knowing that you can do things that you believe in. You know, I think everybody believes, obviously, you can win the championship, but until you've done it, you don't know if you can do it. Uh, so that 
that knowing part, I think, is really a strong thing to have. And uh, our group, I think, is is really good at kind of accepting that, right? And, and you know, holding their heads up high, right? You never want to be cocky, but confidence is really important to have. And I think our group is is uh, you know embracing that very well. So I'm I'm really happy that they get to experience that too. We're going to go next to Lee Spencer and then Dustin Long. Lee Spencer, CatchFence.com. Um, you finished second here twice, and they say no one ever remembers guy that finishes second. What does it feel like when you're the guy that finishes second? Because you're a really good super speedway racer. You know, wins at Talladega, yeah. you've won here. Um, but what's it, you know, to be that close to winning the great American yeah. race? Oh, I remember it. I remember every little detail of how you're on second, right? And uh, drivers obviously remember it. Like, you, you remember the ones you lose you know the ones that sting. I feel like you remember those even more. You remember every little detail about them. Uh, so yeah, I mean we've we've run second here twice. I feel like I've had a great shot to win it maybe two or three more times than that, but we haven't run second. Um, and just hadn't played out, you know. And I try to take those, you know, right. It stings running second or being close to winning this thing and not doing it. Um, but I always try to take, you know, the things from it as okay, we did a really good job of putting ourselves in a spot to win this race. What can what can I do and what can we do as a team to try to change the outcome of that? Like, great, you get there, um, but you know it's just you're just gathering data and previous experiences. I think that's nice. Someone told me it was my, this is my tenth Daytona 500, which is crazy. And uh, right, so I've been lucky to have some good runs in it. So you just try to get all that stuff that you've learned, right, and, and try to change it. Um, you do all that stuff, and you could get wadded up lap two. And it goes for nothing, but, you know, you just try to take all the info and experience that you can, and then hopefully you're in a spot to where you can use it. Uh, that's all you ask for. It's like a chance to use this stuff that you've learned and apply it. And that's like the biggest thing. So um, hopefully we can try to try to get it done. So we'll see. Yep. Uh, Dustin Long, NBC Sports. I had one question, but I wanted to follow up your response there. So what is the one detail or one thing that stands out that haunts you that is on your shoulders then from those uh, you say you remember every detail yeah 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 uh yeah i mean i look at the two that i the two i vividly remember the most like the, we ran second 2017 to kurt and that was a weird one like i i couldn't do anything different we got strung out guys running out of gas i couldn't get there uh but then i look at 2020 uh when we ran second and you know me denny and ryan were racing uh yeah i mean i look back at you know, it's easy to Monday quarterback the thing and be like, we'll just make a different move. It's hard to make those decisions in that moment. You're you're trying to process a million thoughts in a millisecond, and you have no time to think about them, process them, apply them. Like you're just you're doing it off of action. And sometimes you make the wrong choice. You know, and those are those things, right? Obviously, I would have liked to do something different in 2020. I would like to chose a different lane. Um, and then 2022, uh, had a great shot to win it, pushing Austin. Um, and yeah, same thing. Like I thought I waited till the correct moment to make sure one of us won the race. Uh, but I just wish I would have made a different move, right? Like, like I said, it's easy to look back on those things now, but, uh, and you never know how that leader is going to react, right? You never know where they're going to go. You're guessing as long as well as them of guessing where you're going. Uh, so you just look at those little things. And sometimes I try not to get too bent out of shape about them. I try to just learn from them. Like, all right, maybe we're in this spot again, do something different and then move on. I try not to let it eat at me, those tough ones. Um, so just, just those little things, like I said, just gathering experience uh, to where, hey, maybe, or maybe you're known for a certain move, and maybe you do something different, right? You try to keep people guessing. So uh, you're just trying to change, always change up things, um, 
and those and those close ones, uh, it's easy to say what you should have changed up, but you know you can't change them up. You know at that race, you just try to do them for the future. As a series champion, you've got a seat at the big table. Um, in essence, your voice carries a lot more weight than it did last year. Um, what do you hope your voice carries? What is the impact that you hope you can make outside the sport, within the sport, now that you have this position? Um, and obviously you've done a lot of things in the past to kind of be out there, but now that you have, I guess I'd call it a seat at the table, at the big boys' table, what's the impact and how do you want to help be heard on different issues and, and, and help shape the sport? Yeah. Um, yes, multiple sides of that. So, yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's opportunities outside the sport, I feel like, that are uh, important to do. And I, I got to do a good amount of them in the winter. There's a lot that are coming down the pipeline for this year that I'm really excited about um, to grow the sport outside of, you know, the racetrack and, and its inner workings. Um, but then also in the sport, you know, I, I feel like your voice does have some, you know, I think people trust you and believe you a lot, right? Like, it's it's really funny. Like, you oh, you do something, like you win a championship, and now people, like, maybe listen to more what you're saying. It's like, well, okay, it's a little different. But uh, I, I do think it's important to, you know, for me, I've never been one to always raise my hand and speak up with anything that's on my mind. Like, if I speak out on something that's really important to me, and I really have a strong feeling about it. Um, I've always thought that, that less words used the right way is better than a lot of words used, you know, for nothing. Uh, so uh, I think that's that's something I, you know, might do a little bit more is, is maybe having my, you know, bringing up things that I think are important for the sport and bringing them up more, uh, whether it's internally with NASCAR or if it gets to having to do them externally in the public, then maybe I have to. But um, I'm never going to be one to just be, you know, have a voice just to have a voice, right? It has to have a purpose. Uh, so, and then I, I think I need to pay attention to uh, a little bit more, maybe some more issues going on because I'll probably get asked about them more, right? Because you are a champion and people are going to ask, what do you think about this and that? So I, I probably need to pay attention to a little more little details so I know what I'm talking about if I do get asked about that stuff. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think using your voice when it's an important time to do it um, to where you have some weight behind it, I think is, is something that um, I try to utilize this year. Uh, yeah, there's a few things, a few things we're working on. They're in the early stages, though. All right, we're going to go to Jordan Bianchi first and then to Jerry Jordan. Jordan Bianchi, The Athletic. How much have you and Tim sat down and started kind of breaking down film for super speedway races? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I've been excited to work with Tim Fidua. Um It was great to have him uh, at Test in Phoenix. It's great to have him at the Clash. He did a great job. Uh, but this is obviously a whole other deal. And um, we've spent a lot of time kind of looking at film, listening to audio uh, of certain situations, like watching the me and the four race in the fall of Talladega was like a perfect thing, right? He's spotting, I'm driving, you know, other cars. So I think working that stuff out is good. And I think we've, I've always been kind of a, you know, like I, like I said, a, like an on track, just kind of figuring out how things go. You could talk about all this stuff all you want, just like with the new car, new body. But until you actually get out there and then you work out your your things, I think that's uh, that's good to do. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how the duel goes tomorrow night, and then we'll he and I will sit down and be like, hey, let's do more of this or less of this, and just kind of tweak our game plan. But it's like the most we've done all we can to lead up to it for now, and uh, hopefully it does well. I'm, I'm excited for him though. He's a, a great guy. Showed me a picture the other day of. My dad, him, and Randy 
LaJoy uh, here in 99 before a bush race, which was uh, pretty neat. So, Is there anything you can take from last year's championship run, either mentally or something you did differently, the team did differently, and apply it, that you, you can apply it to now this year in the regular season? Yeah, I think um, something our team did a really good job at uh, through the summer especially was when we weren't running very good, they didn't freak out. They didn't lose their mind. Um, they just understood – you know, hey, some things we're trying aren't working, and you know we have to work in other areas. And they just they just did it calmly, and I think that was that was great. That's what mentally prepared us for the playoffs. Um, you know, people say, oh, you ran terrible all year until the playoffs. Well, we were leading points until the summer break, and then we were went down a path that just didn't really work. But it it helped us learn of what not to do for the playoffs. That honestly, running bad in the summer really helped us for the playoffs because we understood where we don't need to work on. We need to work in other areas. Um, and, and I think that, that's what made me super proud of them. They were very calm and collected and, and really worked hard. So I think having that demeanor going forward is good when things aren't going great. You know, don't freak out. Just do the work. Try to get better. Try to give all the feedback you can to figure out how to get better, uh, what parts of the track you need to be better on. Uh, and then I think the confidence thing is great, too. I said earlier, you know, I think everyone on this group has huge confidence of knowing what we can accomplish and, trying to figure out how the heck we do it again. We'll go to Jerry Jordan and then Zach Stringello. Jerry Jordan, kickingthetires.net. You, you've talked about winning here and you talked about being a champion, but and talk about or you know, what was it like for you coming in here today whenever you got here? You know, that the swagger with the, the champion logo on you, looking at this iconic place, knowing I'm a champion, I'm walking into Daytona. I don't really think I – I didn't really have a different outlook on this place, you know, after winning the championship. You know, I mean, this place is special by itself, you know, and I think the only thing that changed, right, is the, is the confidence level, right? And, and like I said, you're, you're never want, you don't want to ever be cocky, right? It's, it's having belief in yourself, right? And I've, I've never been a very confident human being, so any little bits of confidence that I can, like, grab and, and apply to myself is really good, and it helps me. Um, you know, personally and internally. So um, I think that is the biggest thing is like when the garage opens today, I think that's what everyone on the 12 group is going to have. Uh, everyone's seeing them and uh, having the number one garage stall is great. And, you know, that, that confidence for them is great to start off this week. Um, but as far as this place goes, it's, uh, it's special in itself. And, uh, you know, no matter, no championship or not, it's this place, you understand the, the meaning behind it. And uh, I've been in awe of this place every time I've drive through the tunnel ever since I was born. So uh, it hasn't changed 30 years later. And, and Dustin asked you a while ago about, you know, having a seat at the big boys' table, so to speak. But what about your peers in the garage? Has anybody come up to you and said, hey, you know, what's your thoughts or your, your feelings on, on being a champion or on racing? Or any, has anything changed, it, you know, internally within the garage through, the, through your other race car drivers? Well, yeah, I haven't been really been around them too much, uh, you know, since then. So, um no, I, I, I feel like, though, it's something cool that Joey and I can share now, you know, as teammates. That's kind of nice, um, you know, that we can kind of share that. We already have a great relationship, you know, with each other and working together. Um, but I feel like now you have something really special you can share with each other. It even makes your relationship stronger. Um, so that, that part is good. But, yeah, none of that really yet. All right. I'm good at that. Zach Sterniolo, NASCAR.com. Ryan, um, 
a few weeks removed now from the Netflix docuseries going live. Um, obviously, I know we talked about it a little bit in, in Los Angeles, but um, now that we're a couple, couple weeks later, what's the reception been like that you've seen, um, and how, how did you feel like um, it represented the sport? Yeah, I thought it was positive. Um, I haven't seen too many negative things about it, honestly. Uh, I, I think everyone really enjoyed it. And you hope it reaches uh, across the board, right? You hope it reaches the NASCAR fan already. Uh, and then you hope it reaches somebody who never doesn't know anything about the sport. Um, that's what that platform does, Netflix. And um, I, I think I have met people. Heck, I met a lot of people in L.A. who were like, hey, this is our first race because we watched the Netflix documentary. And we were intrigued and we want to check it out. Uh, and that's what you hope to do, right? That's, that's how you have to grasp people. It gets harder and harder to grasp a new audience every year, um, whatever it is. It's uh, any sport. It's hard to grab. How do you make someone a fan of what you do? And just putting a product on TV, on the track, on the field, on the court, that's not enough anymore. You have to show, you have to be relatable. And these shows have really done a good job of relating to people who don't, you know, do that sport. Showing us as people, showing us in our everyday lives, showing the emotions of the playoffs, the ups and downs, the heartaches of it. For some reason, as a human race, we love seeing heartaches and pain. And I think the, <laughs> that documentary showed a lot of heartache and pain, you know, in the playoffs and pride. Uh, and I think people really like that. Like, I have no idea what it's like to be an NFL quarterback, but watching that show, seeing those guys, like, gave me a whole new perspective. Like, hey, I like that guy. Or, That's neat about that guy. You kind of relate to those people. So um, I think it did a good job. Hopefully it sticks around. Hopefully it comes back um, because I think people really enjoyed it, and I think the drivers enjoyed opening up as well. And I think you would have more drivers open up even more when this, if it comes back again, right, kind of understanding what it does, the reach that it has. I think you're going to have more people be like, okay, really open your doors. I mean, I opened my doors up probably 80%, you know, and um, some guys were more, some guys were less. And I think if that comes back, I think more guys are going to get open, open their doors up a lot more, which is, which is good. For tomorrow night specifically um, with the duels, do you feel like there's going to be any more or less aggression um, just in terms of drivers figuring out the new cars and how, how each car reacts with, with the other new cars in traffic? Yeah, um, the duels, I always try to approach them yeah, you know, obviously you want to be smart in the duels, and right, you're trying to win it, right? And there's some points involved, but last thing you want to do is wreck your 500 car, making a uh, kind of a dumb move. So, um, but at the same time, you need to you can't just ride around the back because this is your biggest chance to figure out what your car handles like in a pack, right? Friday, Saturday, you're not going to have a big pack racing like that and drafting just because it's close to the 500. So this is the best chance you have to figure out what you need for Sunday. Uh, so I've always tried to put myself in kind of funky spots in the in the duels spots that i would be in in the 500 you know really close to someone's back bumper or kind of exiting four right with someone close to your outside how did your car react to that um so I, I think you have to be smart about everything but also you need to figure out what you need to work on uh so we'll see the duels i never know how they're going to go i've sat up here and been like i think they're going to be boring and they've been wreck fest and crazy and i've been like i think they're going to be exciting and then it's single file the whole time so i you never know how everyone's going to feel tomorrow night Ryan, we know you have a live hit to get to. We're going to try to fit in two more quick okay. questions. Um, we're going to go to Dan in the back, and then we're going to come up here to Edgar. Hey, Dan Gelfs, Associated Press. A couple questions. One, we all you know, heard that little, I guess, motivational nickname advice your girlfriend gave you in the, in the show. <laughs> You're not supposed to forget who you are, of course. Yeah. Do a lot of people, is that like your big nickname? A lot of people call you the RF, RFF? RFB? Uh, RFB yeah. I don't know. I don't know. She uh, was mortified 
when that was caught on microphone. When I when we watched it a few days before it came out, she's like, "Oh my god, I can't believe they put that in there!" And it was on the trailer. I was like, that "Bold putting it on the trailer," uh, but it was fine. I think she's she's gotten over her embarrassment of that, and uh, she's embraced it. I was like, "Yeah, I said that." So maybe we'll make some shirts. I can't have the full wording on the shirts, but we'll bleep out some some letters. But and you mentioned that you know you cl- you you can get along well with Joey. Did he? They, you guys still have the Champions Journal? Did he give you one yep. already? Did it say anything that stuck out? I can't tell you what's in it. It's cool to read, though. It's very cool. And um, any any advice on how to defend a championship, how to how to try and win it again? Did he offer you any? Um, yeah, I mean, I, Joey was super helpful to me through the playoffs. You know, I mean, him being in those spots um, multiple times, you know, and winning a couple championships, he was really helpful to me and kind of understanding. I picked his brain a little bit of, okay, you know, how do you approach it? Everyone approaches things differently, but – um, just kind of picking his brain on, you know, at Phoenix, kind of how did you approach it the week leading up to it, you know, things like that. And, and he was super helpful to me, and I, I appreciate that from him. And um, we try to work with each other very, very well, and we've done that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's always nice to, to kind of have that, that uh, teammate like that. That's what you want, right? You never want teammates at each other's throats. And uh, we've been lucky to, to have a good relationship, and he helped me out a lot through the championship uh, run. I don't know if I'll get much help anymore. Uh, but, um, no, he's, he's been fantastic. So hopefully we can continue to work really well together and, and compete with each other for, for many championships to come. Okay, one last super quick question yeah, from Edgar. Yeah, Ryan, Edgar Thompson, the Orlando Sentinel right here to your right. So given your upbringing, you mentioned 30 years coming in the tu- under the tunnel or into the infield. Uh, were you always going to be a racer? Yeah, I mean, that was what I wanted to be. I never knew if it was actually going to happen or not. Um, I had a lot of great opportunities with my dad getting me involved in it early. Um, and that's just what I, you know, as a kid, I just wanted to do what my dad did. Um, and like I said, I was super lucky to get some opportunities to be able to do what he did and, and have his support along the way. Uh, I tried other sports, but I came to realization I'm, you know, a very short kid and I will never make it in any other stick and ball sport. I'm a scrawny little kid. So, uh, racing seems good and I have a lot of opportunities and I'm okay at it. So, uh, yeah, it's what I always wanted to be, so super lucky it, it came true. And was there a moment where you ever wondered if this was going to pan out? Always. Um, yeah, always. Um, you never know uh, You know if things are going to work out or not. You can get the best opportunities ever, and um, you, you struggle for a few years, and your opportunity is gone. You know? and it's, uh, so, yeah, growing up, you're, you're always scared to death of not having a job and, and uh, everything not working out. So um, you just work hard at it to kind of motivate you. But uh, – yeah, definitely when you get going, you're like, I don't think this is going to work out. I don't know. And um, when I wrecked my second Xfinity race, I thought my career was over. And luckily, Tommy Baldwin had another car that I could drive for a few more races. So, yeah, you always had that thought. All right, All right thank thanks you. Thanks so much and good luck this week. Both of the noses that they designed are pretty flat. I mean, our back bumper's pretty flat, so I don't think it'll be – anything super out of the ordinary, but we'll see. I don't think people are going to push super hard tomorrow night, but we'll see. I don't know. I'm on Team Chevy, so we'll worry about Team Chevy. It's been 20 years since the inception of the playoffs. I want to know from your point of view, do you think it's best way to find out who the best driver is all year, or do you think that it should go back to maybe 
the most consistent driver throughout the season. Well, I didn't hear the first part, I'm sorry. It's been 20 years since the inception of the playoffs. So, from your perspective, you Has it really? Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, 2014 was when we started having the rounds, right? right. Is that right? Yes. Um, that, to me, was when things really changed, just because at least with the other way, you had 10, you had 10 weeks, um, and I feel like it all kind of came out in the wash, you know, in those 10 weeks, really, uh, I'm not sure at the end of those 10 weeks it would have looked a ton different uh, versus a full season. I don't have, I don't have the data to back that up, but... Um, seemingly the guys that ran good all year, you know, over the course of, of 10 weeks, you know, that, that um, amount of races inside the playoffs kind of, like I said, just had, it gave it enough time for things to come out in the wash. People that belonged up front, stayed up front, uh, they got there. And, and um, you know, one bad race didn't take somebody out of, you know, a, a ruining a really good year. You know, that, that, that's the only bad thing I, I see with with the way we have it is, you know, whether it's me or somebody else, I, I would just hate for somebody to win 10 races or something and not win the championship. That would just, to me, kind of be a little bit of a, a little bit of a black eye for the integrity of our sport. Would you put wins above championships? Um, no, I mean, I, I still think when you get done, the number of championships is gonna, is gonna trump that. Um, but certainly winning more is gonna mean you had, you know probably more fun over the course of the, you know, entirety of, of your career, you know, uh, means you had, you know, uh, some good weeks, you know, more, more often ha having good weeks is a good thing. What are some of your most fond memories of the race? Um, we ran second here one time, uh, so that was kind of cool, I guess. I uh, would like to have won, but that was a decent, decent finish, and the rest of them we pretty well crashed, so there hadn't been a whole lot of good outside of that day, unfortunately. How do you feel about the changes that have been made here? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, heck, we've had, what, two years of what it is now, so, I mean, I don't think it's going to change much from what, what it's been and what you've seen. Uh, I do think that it's going to age, you know, a little bit at some point. Um, you know, it's hot, hot summers and, and uh, can, can be kind of cold, you know, there in the winter, so, yeah, that's typically tough on a track surface, and I think the track aging is a, is a good thing, and we'll just kind of see what happens when it you know, when it does. How have you adapted to the changes to the track over the last couple of years? Do you like it better than the old Atlanta, or are you kind of non-committal, or you just deal with it? Uh, I'm I'm in the middle of the road. I mean, I understand why they did it. The other the old track had a lot of character, and it was a lot of fun from a driver's perspective. Um, but I, I I think it was time for a change. You know, it was. Uh, we had we had rode that horse for a long time, you know, and they had sold the narrative of how much, you know, how hard it was to drive and this and that, and people just weren't on board with that anymore. So they wanted to try something else, and I applaud them for trying it. And um, you know, it's got a new look. I think it's produced some pretty good racing. People that go down there that I talk to personally, uh, spectators really enjoy it, and they they really enjoy the the you know drafting aspect of Atlanta. And if they're having fun. At the end of the day, that's kind of all that matters, you know, truthfully, because, you know, the folks that, that come and support us and support this sport are, are what drives it. Do you prefer this race in the style of racing with track conditions covered like it is now, or would you prefer being able to go to the side of the field and go back and forth? Yeah, I, I don't love 
I, I think we had a really good speedway package with the old car kind of worked out there towards the end to where you could have some big runs. And it just seemed like there was a lot more energy, you know, transferring. The cars weren't quite so draggy uh, as what they are now. Just, I, I do think that we had a pretty good situation going on. Um, and it has changed quite, quite a lot, you know. And, and I think you guys have seen the way the races look. It has changed a lot. Um, but they're always, they're always adjusting, you know, little things here and there. Can it get back to what it was? Probably so. And it might take some time, you know. Uh, things certainly don't happen overnight. And, uh, you know, some stuff just takes a little, you know, a little effort to get it, to get it perfect. Yeah, I mean, obviously a, a big year, um, you know, 40th year for, for HMS is uh, is a big deal. I'm super proud to have been a very small piece of that puzzle. I think it's a great honor. Uh, and the boss, look, the boss always wants to win, you know, so I don't think it would matter if it was, you know, the second anniversary, uh, you know, or, or whatever. He, you know, he, he wants to win, and, and we do too, you know. So I don't necessarily think just because it's the 40th year of HMS doesn't make me want to win the race anymore. I wanted to win it pretty bad you know, before, so um, I don't think it changes it from that forgive, standpoint. Forgive my ignorance, Ryan Blaney, what, do you have, what's your relationship with him? You guys buddies? Good, yeah, we're friends. So did you guys kind of come up in the garage a little bit together? We did. Um, you know, Ryan's a couple years older than me, but uh, I, I saw him around the garage as a kid. We never really hung out at, when, when we were super young, um, like that age, like when our dads were racing, but... Um, when we both took a similar path uh, through grassroots short track racing and whatnot, so I, we started seeing more of each other then. That was when we started to become uh, become good friends. I think it's super deserving. I, mean, I, I look at just, uh, I mean, the guy could have won probably three Daytona 500s at this point pretty easily, <laughs> um, you know, and has a championship now, and that's just that right there is a pretty good if he wanted to hang it up tomorrow um you know is is a pretty good deal but you know I'm certainly um you know as a as a friend of his really proud of of kind of what I've seen him progress to uh not only on the track but off the track he's a really good person and um you know he obviously is, has developed in, into a really good race car driver and and I know that that's always been top of mind for him and you know, as a as someone's friend, you're just excited to see them have success, and I think he deserves it. Can't really think off the top of my head that you know. Oper there are certain traditions with winning a championship that I think are really cool. The champion's book, you know, um, all those things that that last forever. That is what you know makes it really special is, is the tradition and, and the fact that it lives on forever. Um, I wasn't thinking about the bigger media hit I was going to get to do, even if I was, if that's what you're referring to, because you won a championship. I just yeah. I mean, I. Yes and no. I mean, I, I think that um, it should at least earn you a opportunity to be heard a little more behind closed doors by people that, you know, make decisions. 
I do think that that earns you that right uh, slightly a little more than, than it would otherwise. Um, but there's also guys who haven't won a championship that does, that I feel have been around long enough and have had enough success to have that type of voice too. So that's a that's a tough one. I'm not really sure how to give you a, a really good answer there. Do we spend more time at the shop in the off season? I mean, just to try to rally the troops. Uh, yeah, I I spent a good bit of time at the shop. You know, obviously we were had a lot of prep and and um, and whatnot before the clash too. So. Um, yeah, I, look, I feel like our team's in a good place. I, when you have when you have a year like last year, it is really easy for a team to blow up from the inside, like really easy. Um, you don't know how easy. And and when I look at just where our team is at, you know, mentally and and just our drive and our will and and our willingness to fight and not quit, I think it is at an all-time high. To be honest with you. Um, my relationship with Alan is as good as it's ever been. And I'm just super proud of those things, regardless of how the season goes, because I work with a group of guys who don't want to give up on me. And, and, and I don't want to give up on them. And that, to me, means a lot uh, when you go to war every week with a group of people that, that have no desire to quit. Um, speaks volumes, and, and that, in my opinion, is a huge hurdle in trying to get back uh, to where we think we can be and, and where I feel we belong. Do you feel like you've grown more into the role of the cheerleader or the quarterback? I mean, you see some guys, like on the Chiefs, Kelsey was the guy that got vocal, you know, that tried to get the other guys rallied up. Do you feel as the older you get, you take on more of that responsibility as saying, you know, kind of being the team leader? I, I definitely think as I've gotten older, you know, Alan and I share more of that. You know, I think when I started, he probably had most of that role just because I kind of stepped into his, it was his team, you know, and, and, and whatnot. But, yeah, I, I do think as I've gotten older, I, that there is a responsibility there to at least um, try and make our team better through the experiences that I've had. How about that? Perfect. Thanks, Chase. No, I, I, I truly didn't. I just, I've watched enough of that happen over the years and people jump ship on each other and, you know, think the grass is greener elsewhere and, and, and I've just, I've seen enough of that to know how it works. Um, but no, I, that wasn't, that was not the case for us and has not been through the winter. What held it together as a team We always want to, we always want to do good. You know, our, our, um, our fire shouldn't be in question. Frustrated and in a bad mood some days, uh, but it's because we want to do well, not not for any other reason. Back along the lines of Dustin's question, uh, what responsibilities do you feel uh, as a champion through the 2021 season, um, after winning the twenty-four? Responsibilities through the next year. You're talking about. Um, you know, mine had such a different feel because it was COVID year. And, you know, we didn't do a banquet and didn't do some of those, you know, traditional things that, you know, the uh, – so it just had a little bit of a different vibe. But when we fired off in 21, it was, you know, everybody's kind of regrouped and, and um, all the wind stickers are off the cars and they're making a trophy for that year. You know, so it's just uh, you got to reset and, and get ready to go again. That's how I looked at it. Uh, LA was kind of a – the weather nightmare, and then this weekend it's looking like a high chance of rain too. What does that do to the psyche? 
to your psyche when you want to get going and there's some sense of normalcy to the start of the season? It it doesn't do anything to my psyche. I don't <laughs> I don't know what it does to anybody else's, but other than just maybe being here for another day or two. But we'll see. Look, it's it's uh, it's Wednesday, and we're in Florida, so I I, I think um, you know taters and who wants to come and who doesn't based on whether or not they want to sit in the rain, and I I respect that, you know. But no, I, I don't I don't think for me it changes a whole lot, um, really at all. You know, I'm gonna I'm here until we get this thing done. So. Uh, <laughs> You know, whenever that is, uh, and most of y'all are too. So, uh, whatever day it is, we'll be here and uh, be happy to be here when it is. Um, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think that's pretty similar. A similar approach than what it's been, you know, with the old car too. Do, do you feel like you have to give something up for the race in order to qualify on the pole here at Daytona? No, because you you have practice after the duels, you know, so you can you can adjust after that. How much, how much fight is there in qualifying on the front row for Ricky? I'm sorry. How much fight is there in actually qualifying on the front row for Ricky? You guys have been on this for some. Yeah, no, we have, and, and to me, it's a testament to the to the guys at the shop and the engine department and just all the staff that puts a lot of effort in more so than it is what the drivers are doing we're not really doing a whole lot to contribute uh, to that but um that to me is is where the recognition you know deserves to be and, that, and that's where i've always tried to lead it uh, when i when it was me that had won a couple polls um but i listen i, I want to win the race I, <laughs> polls are great i want to be good on on Sunday, and uh, I think we can do both. Though is is the is what I'm getting at to answer your question. So, I think I think both is uh, very plausible. Are you are you surprised it's been 10 years since the Hendrick cars won this race, going back to the team that went in 14? I'm no, I'm not surprised by a whole lot. <laughs> so, um, you know, to be candid, I just that's just the way it goes sometimes. It's a hard race to win. Got to have a lot of things go your way and. Unfortunately for, for HMS, it's just been a while, but I think it'll come back around. The races have been so calm the last couple of years, I just don't see that changing a whole lot. I think everybody wants to race the car that they unload with down here on Sunday. Sorry. And um, so, no. I mean, you might get a little push in here and there, but it's not going to be near to the level of aggression it'll be on Sunday. Chase, I'm sorry if you've already answered this since I was late to the party. Uh, you've got Trey coming in now with Mm-hmm. And you've had him before. Yeah, we, yeah. The, when you made the decision to go with him, what was that process and what type of comfort level did you get? I haven't been missing any comfort, you know, so I don't want that narrative to get misunderstood. Mm -hmm. um, but when we were, you know, looking at doing something different, Trey has been around our team. He understands how we operate. Uh, he's spotted at the cup level for me before. He's spotted quite a bit of short track racing events for me before so we just felt like it was the right fit and ultimately at the end of the day um, you just want a team that has performance at, at the top of mind all the time and wants what's wants genuinely wants what's best for us um, and, and, and Trey is that way just like Eddie was um, you, know, you know I don't I don't want that to be misunderstood either so uh, it was just the right fit for our group and uh, you know a guy that I know very well and you know someone that I think 
uh, will contribute at a high level. When did you make the decision to have Trey? How did y'all all come about? Because I don't know. Um, well, it was uh, obviously after the you know after the season was was over last year, so it was kind of late, I guess, in the game. I can't remember exactly, but probably sometime in December, somewhere in there. There is a yeah. There, there's a sense of, of a new opportunity, and you know I'm appreciative of that. There's also a realistic understanding of your problems don't disappear because the calendar changed from three to four. And so um, we know that we need to be better, and I know I need to be better, and intend on continuing to build uh, on what we were working on there at the end of last year, and just uh, keep our heads down and keep pushing. I look at a little bit of everything. Um, you know, it's um, probably not as much data for speedways as I would for an inter you know a downforce track, but um, you know certainly tendencies. Watching a little bit of old races in the past, so a little bit of a little bit of everything. But when you say tendencies, what do you mean? Is it like this driver likes to do this, or? Um, Yes, a, a little bit of that, or just how a, how a, rate, a late race restart might unfold, which lane might be the better lane to be in, um, who gave a good push when, uh, was there a third lane involved, why was there a third lane involved, was it two lanes, did people that rode around in the back have good finishes, all, I mean, all of the above, we're, we're thinking about all of it. Uh, it was unrelated. It was a, actually a really old injury I'd had. My shoulders bothered me for years, so probably about 10 years, if that answers that question. Chase, you got teammates that, again, could run up front in any race. But your personalities are a lot of, are identical as well. Your pulse is pretty low. You're not loud. You're not mm. picking your favorite drivers in Hamlet style. But there's got to be some grief that one of you guys give each other. Who's the one that instigating the trash talking more between you and your teammates? I don't think any of us really trash talk at all, to be honest. Ford, and we just we just want to do our part, you know, or I do at least. I think that's the case for them too. You know, we just uh, we try to contribute as much as we can at a high level, um, you know, to the company and in our meetings, you know, when we're all together. Um, and outside that, we don't. None of us really hang out, you know, outside of of racing. We have good relationships, but we're not like you know best friends or anything outside of uh, outside of our meetings and stuff. Uh, I really don't think so. I think we're just trying to win. I will say this is the best, and I told Rick this, this is the best camaraderie or working relationship that I've ever seen at Hendrick Motorsports. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think we're in a good place. Let's all have a good working relationship. Everybody good? Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The NASCAR Xfinity Series is where names are made. And at Daytona, those names are bringing a whole lot of smoke. Austin wants the smoke. Justin wants the smoke. Cole and Haley, give them all the smoke. There's plenty to go around. But remember, if you can smell the smoke, that means you're not the one making it. The NASCAR Xfinity Series at Daytona, February 17th. Get your tickets now at DaytonaInternationalSpeedway.com. More to work with for sure. Um, but it does get a little bit more 
uh, complex coming to pit road, you know, instead of just having uh, six cars attempting to make pit road at the same time, now you got to coordinate nine cars getting all there uh, together. So it'll be uh, more important than it even has been in the past to um, kind of be on the same page on fuel strategy, um, being close in proximity, coming to pit road, and then above all else with nine cars, right? Uh, with more cars, you have more possibility of someone having an issue along the way too. So, um, yeah, we just we're gonna have to execute our strategy pretty, pretty well, and we'll have some practice of that in the duels. What was the preseason message from Denny this year? I mean, I, when you look at it, we had our our best year to date. Um, you know, we we kind of set the standard for ourselves, right? Like, okay, that's what we did last year, so now we got to improve again, right? Um, so. You know, we, we had a number of, well, I wouldn't even just say a number, we had a lot that, uh, a lot of information at our disposal to go through to really, you know, narrow it down into what uh, what was hurting us the most. So, um, you know, I think one thing for me, you know, the obvious one is just, right, uh, making sure that we capitalize, close out those races where we're really, really fast with a win or a top five. Um, but more so than that, just trying to understand what, what it is about like some of these short tracks what what is it in the short track package we're missing what is it um in the speedway package we were missing we think some of that was was due to the body numbers that sort of stuff so we'll see if that's improved um so just trying to focus on those things um and over the course of this year really uh try and correct some of those those issues we had along the way are you expecting a byron style season this year do you think that this now that you have a year under your belt at that with that team could this be your big breakout year? I mean, you kind of had one with Childers winning all the road courses, but is, is this the year for you? I wouldn't say I, I mean, I, I would I would like, that's what we're aiming for. Do I expect that to come easily? No. So I wouldn't say it's a, it's a, you know, just outright just walking into the year expectation. I know we're going to have to work really hard, uh, but I'm excited about the potential um, in this new car. Uh, the th- a lot of things that we were able to do last year, uh, we showed a lot of signs of speed. So I know that we'll be able to, you know, come back and, and we should be able to do a lot of those same things. We just got to capitalize on those on those days where we're that fast. As far as those, the way your team's raced here, Bubba's had some good races here, you know, nearly won it a couple of times. Mm-hmm. How do you feel your confidence level is for Daytona for this? Uh, uh, the day starts out, it's not great. We get, I don't know, like uh, last year it didn't get very far. But there was a couple... A couple times over the years where we get to like a couple laps to go, and I'm feeling pretty good, and then I get wiped out. So um, it's just the nature of this this race. Uh, you know, last year was kind of, uh, you know, me new to the Toyota, not knowing uh, I was going to get in a bad spot there with Harvick. But in the past, you know, I've just, uh, this race has been tough for me. You know, uh, just whether the car's not handled good or just put myself in the wrong spot at the wrong time, not really reading the energy of the pack. So for me, it's, you know, just try to learn as much as I can from Bubba over, uh, you know, today, the practice days, the duels. Um, he, he does have a tendency to find his way to the front. I know last year uh, he got wiped out in that crash on the last lap, but, I mean, momentum was on his side. He was going to be right there in the mix at the end. So he definitely does a really good job of finding his way to the front at the end of these plate races, and more times than not, Denny does as well. What are your thoughts on the Netflix series, right? What, what impact do you hope this has, and how is it kind of having the crew around? Yeah, it was it was fun, honestly. Um, you know, we got to, I wouldn't say, you know, there wasn't, 
more than anything, you know, they were just kind of following us around with what we were doing. So it wasn't a lot of, uh, I'd say, a lot of, like, heavy lifting work for, for me or anything. Um, yeah, I just enjoyed the process. I keep telling myself I'm going to finally watch the whole thing. Uh, Alexa has. I feel like everyone in my family has. Friends have. I just need to sit down and watch it. I might as well do it while I'm here. I might have some free time on Saturday or Sunday so weather doesn't get better. So, um, yeah, it seems like it's all been pretty good feedback. And, you know, certainly a number of drivers, including myself, saw a pretty significant bump in, uh, in following on the different social channels. Tyler, what do you go through watching this on Netflix or an interview? Well, I, like I said, I haven't... I mean, I've, I've really only watched, like, half episode one. Um, my girlfriend watched, or my fiance watched it on the plane ride out to, to LA for the clash. So I'd occasionally peek over and see myself, but I wasn't listening, so, um, I don't know, she thought it was pretty good. Like I said, everyone thought it's good, so I need to just sit down and, and watch it, to be honest. Do you feel like the show allowed you to be a little bit more yourself compared to maybe certain times at the trial? No, I'm just always myself. Thankfully, yeah, so... You kind of dug a hole the first two races of last year. How, yeah. how how hard is it when you get off to a start like that to just dig your way out? It's very difficult. Uh, I mean, Daytona was rough. Put us in a bad spot uh, going into, I guess it was Vegas, right? That was the second Atlanta. Third. No, you're yeah, yeah. Last year was Vegas, I think. But, yeah, and then we had our issues there at Vegas. And we honestly had a very fast race car at Vegas, but because we didn't qualify or practice, we had a bad pit stall, and that put us behind at that race, uh, and then we went into, you know, the next one, and then we got rained out, and it got started off points, so, I mean, yeah, it really put us in the hole for the first three or four weeks there, but, I mean, probably, you know, I don't know what, it, what how far into the season it was, it was right around the time of the, of the 600, we were, you know, within 30 points of first, so, I mean, we dug out of it pretty quick, uh, but then we had our, our lull over the summer stretch, so, you can get out of it. But I would expect, you know, as we keep running more and more with this this next-gen car, more teams are going to be more consistent. Um, it's going to be harder to dig out of holes that you put yourself in. How, how long do you think it's going to take you to acclimate to what, you know, is still a relatively new car and, a rel, you know, a brand-new Toyota? Um, I mean, the, the, the chassis itself, I feel like I've got a good understanding of. Certainly, I think, you know, teams will just keep finding more and more ways to... Uh, make them closer to perfect than what they are. Uh, I think the biggest thing uh, with the new body is just maybe just kind of seeing what its tendencies are going to be in traffic, uh, racing around other cars. It might be a little bit different. Uh, I expect the short track package uh, to be different in traffic as well. sounds like it's not necessarily, it wouldn't say it's better, but it's just dirtier is different. So that's going to be a learning curve as well, not necessarily tied to the Camry, but um, those will be the big things, just seeing if there's anything that really stands out when you're racing other cars in traffic uh, with the new body. Drivers are, and I'll get out of here. <laughs> Drivers are calling Atlanta hybrid, and so is there anything you can glean from here and take to Atlanta that you learned because it kind of drives like a super speedway, or it does? Maybe a little bit. I, I mean, I, I mean, just just little details like the differences from last year's car to this year's car uh, on the speedways and if anything hopefully you just have more confidence but Atlanta keeps changing too so every time we go back I feel like it's got less and less grip um, and it's harder to have the pack racing that we, we saw from the very beginning. You're talking about learning in traffic like how, how the 
new bodies and form and everything. How important yeah. the duel is going to be in terms of just learning, you know, how will my car push, how will the take pushes, and um, how different is that? Yeah, we'll be able to learn quite a bit there, but I know my my team and probably a lot of teams are going to be screaming at their drivers not to tear their stuff up. But, um, yeah, I'm going to try and learn as much as I can. I mean, I think just running in a, in a line of cars to be able to understand the differences pretty quickly. Um, you know, like I said, we're all pretty uh, optimistic that this car is going to be able to push a lot better. So hopefully we can get a pretty good read on that in the duels. Have you discussed scenarios coming down the last two or three laps? You and Bob are top five. How to approach those last few laps teammates? I think all the Toyota drivers have a pretty good understanding of what, what we need to do depending on what situation we're in. So I think we all collectively have a good idea of what, you know, depending on where we're at, what the circumstances are, what we need to do. Ideally, yes, we'd like to be at the front of the field. <laughs> if we're not, we don't have a shot. <laughs> How important are those friendships and partnerships in a race like this, right, where you might need a little help here and there? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the goal for for myself and the other Toyota drivers is we're going to, you know, work together and have each other's back. Um, we, we're trying to get to the front. We can we can trust another fellow Toyota behind us more than we can a Ford or a Chevy. So um, we'll try and use that to our advantage. But uh, certainly it's... Be interesting, like I said, it'll be just interesting to see how this race plays out. I feel like as time has passed, um, it's just gotten harder and harder to get to the front, um, unless the whole field's saving fuel. And I feel like they're getting smarter about how to manage that within those fuel runs as well. How many cars does 2311 have built? Uh, you know, basically at this point with the new body. That's a good question. Um, gosh, I've been so busy the last couple of weeks. I've been in and out of there, and I haven't really kept up. I was also in Disney World, so yeah, I've kind of been been checked out for the last couple of days. What was that like with Kyle? Uh, it was a lot of fun, but yeah, it wore me out. Like four days straight of just nonstop going from like 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock each day was a lot. A lot of walking. Favorite ride for you? Uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy ride was, was very, very good. I don't even know, I don't know what, they, what it's called, Race Rewind or something like that, but it was pretty neat. Yeah, um, airspeed certainly impressive. I've um, gotten to spend quite a bit of time in that building early January. You know, like I said, like I was telling Lee, like the last couple of um, days last week, I haven't been around as much getting out the door for a speed weeks, but um, certainly impressed with the layout, the size, just the atmosphere is just, I mean, it's very different from any other race team's uh, facility that I've ever been in. So I think between the layout, like I said, um, just the lighting, the windows, um, just the colors that, that Denny and everyone went with. Um, it just it really sets the tone that it's it's a different atmosphere, um, and honestly, for me, it doesn't feel as stuffy or as you know hospital-like, if you will, as some of the shops do that just are all white and super super plain. There's a lot of character in the building, and um, I certainly enjoy it. Besides performing well at Daytona 500, what are other things that you look forward to? I mean, you've seen old friends, your family's here, the fans go crazy, but is there something in particular here at Daytona 500 that you always look forward to? Well, we, we kind of got to do a little bit around it. 
um, a few weeks ago uh, as we worked on the Nasty Beast unveil. You know, getting to go to the Streamline Hotel, uh, shoot what we did there uh, was a lot of fun. I'd say, you know, like I said, Streamline Hotel, which we had in the video, uh, getting to go down onto the beach um, what was a lot of fun, too, with the car. Uh, you know, outside of that, if, if there's time throughout the week, the last couple of years that hasn't worked out this way because of the schedule throughout the day. You know, it's always fun to go down to Volusia um, and catch up with some old Durley Mall racing fr uh, friends that I used to race with. There, there's a lot to do here. A lot of good food. Um, definitely a lot of, a lot of good, a lot of good bars pop in and out of too if you have that time as well. And this is going to be the 20th anniversary of the playoffs, right? So for, I want to kind of know your thoughts. So a racer can get in have an okay year and if you still make that top 16 somehow you can find yourself in that last race and still win it right so from that perspective when someone like William has a year like last year where he's won several races and it gets down to that end is it ever to a point where it's okay to have zero wins through the regular season and you're fine with getting that one that really matters at the end or would you rather have those more wins throughout the year be consistent and who knows you go and get that championship so what are your kind of thoughts on the playoffs so it's now the 20th year here yeah, I'd say my first two playoff attempts, um, you know, they kind of crashed out, if you will, in the round of 16. We had more speed than that. Uh, last year, it was kind of the opposite. I wouldn't say it wasn't necessarily opposite, but we, we kind of finished where we probably should have. Um, but going all the way back to the Xfinity days, I've, I've won it both ways. I've stunk all year long and just showed up at, at Homestead, managed to survive the playoffs and win it. Um, and then I've also done it the other way where you dominate all year long. Both are very, very fulfilling. Um, I'd say you have more expectation of yourself uh, if you're a contender all year long. I feel like you are kind of have an advantage to a degree if you're that underdog. No one's really paying attention to what you're doing. Um, but you still got to go out there and get the job done at the end of the day. So I don't think one takes away any more than the other uh, with this format we have. you got to show up in those clutch moments and deliver. It, I mean, it's the playoffs, right? So do you think as a fan perspective, if you've heard, is it exciting having that one single race instead of, you know, it could have been where you knew who the winner was before the finale even arrived? There's a lot of pressure involved in this format. You know, the older format, yeah, if you, you know, you, you would face similar pressure over a longer duration, uh, you know, more so long lines of just, oh, gosh, I hope we don't break today or something doesn't, you know, we don't get caught up in a wreck. Whereas in the playoffs, I mean, the pressure could be instantly on or off um, just based on three or four positions on the racetrack. So it's just def definitely crank that intensity up. Thank you. Good luck. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You don't have to answer. Can you compare Drive to Survive with the NASCAR? <laughs> I, I really can't because I haven't, I haven't like, watched it all yet. Okay. I, can't give you a good, I can't give you a good answer. Okay. It's well, everyone keeps asking me about this. I need to sit down and watch it. It needs to be my homework. Homework. Do you ever look at old Daytona 500s? Obviously, the cars are different than drivers, but you know, it, it comes down to it. Usually, comes down to a short run. Uh, Honestly, more for fun these days. It's a lot different than um, than what we race now. But you know, I'd say you know the ones that always make me chuckle are like going back and watching. You know, these guys race in the late 70s or the early 80s on the mile and a half. And, like, Dale was, like, Dale Dale knew what he was doing. I think uh, just he just seemed like he was ahead to a degree. Some of the guys knew how to do it. 
a little bit, but like Dale just really took advantage of it, and he didn't care if it pissed you off or not. So um, that was always entertaining to watch, for sure. I just the I did enjoy watching that. The time he rolled the car and then got back in it. Well, that, I mean, yeah, I'm more of that one. Yeah, he would just, he would do things that we'd all want to do, but we just never fly today. Thank you. Yeah. What's it like to experience Disney through your child's eyes? Uh, he's got it good. Um, <laughs> I mean, he'll he'll run around like crazy, and then uh, when he gets tired, instead of having to push the stroller, he just gets in the stroller and falls asleep. So, like, we're tired the whole time, pretty much, it feels like. But he gets to take his naps. Um, and he gets to wake up when we get to the next ride and just jump on and go. So, I mean, he's yeah, he's pretty spoiled. Is that his first time? Uh, no. Uh, we, remember no, he remembers the, the past times. We went last year. I think we've gone the last three years, actually. Okay. I think the first time we went, he doesn't remember a lot of. He definitely remembered last year's trip. Um, and this one, he's... Yeah, he'll probably never. He won't stop talking about this year's trip for a while. What? 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 What's so exciting for this year? Uh, he was. He was finally. I think he's right at 42 inches tall. So there was a whole lot more rides we could run across all four <laughs> parks, and we got to do some some pretty good ones. Honestly, I, I think there's only a couple that you have to be over 42 to ride. Did you ever go to Disney when you were younger, or was that too busy racing? <clears throat> I think we went one time and it started raining. My dad got mad and we turned around and left. So, I mean, I saw the parking lot. I think we were maybe there for like half a day and he's like, oh, it's going to rain and we're gone. Which, I mean, a lot of people just stay through the rain and, you know, dig down and go. So, I think I've been to Disneyland once or twice. Um, but, yeah, I think I got a real brief visit at Disney World as a kid. Don't remember anything about it, to be honest with you, or Disneyland. What what does Daytona mean to you? A lot of you know, a lot of legends of our sport have broke through and won here, and, and we've seen a lot of them. It's taken them a lot of their career to win here, but just the history of this trophy of this race, um, it's kind of what put our you know this this race, this hit, the history of this race is what propelled us uh, to where we are today. You know in and among other major sports in the country, you know, the the storylines from this event. So, yeah, a lot of big moments have happened here, and I, I've never experienced it for myself, obviously, but, but yeah, it just it just seems like a race that when you win it, it's kind of game-changing for, for some, right? You could say, like, for, you know, Ricky, he's kind of already established himself as who he is, right? But, you know, it was a big deal for them, and in their year, I think their performance was better from uh, winning this race, but yeah, to a lot of these guys, it's a race that will haunt you for most of your career if you can't win it. So I'd like to get that out of the way early. <laughs> <laughs> How do you view that the public perceives it as you know, kind of, kind of sport, so to speak? And, and it is huge, but also like it's not it's not the race that takes the top of the count. No, but like certainly like you know, I feel like you know the whole field, and I've been in a few of these crashes, right? You get to like six to go, and the whole real field just stops thinking, right? We all just wreck. You know, we do some really crazy, dumb stuff. That, you know, five to go. You know, like everyone just freaks out, right? And I feel like the real smart ones are the ones that can navigate through that, or know, okay, I need to get out of this, or they're already ahead of it to begin with. 
you know, I think the ones that win this race are the ones that remain calm when, you know, you know the race is approaching its end and they're still able to make calm, cool, collected decisions that uh, ultimately put them in victory lane. So do you have to, like, tell yourself that? Like, all right, everybody else can get crazy, don't get crazy. Or it's, like, I mean, it, it's pretty hard not to get swept up in it. That's probably why I've been in a lot of the wrecks. So, um, you know, honestly, though, we saw with, like, Ricky, like, he didn't have perfect last lap you know I made a couple of mistakes in a few seconds but it but it all still worked out but the moral story is if you can be that lead car you're kind of afforded that option right you never know if someone's going to wreck behind you or not um, but certainly the way his path to winning that race last year was pretty interesting one I think all of the drivers collectively do a, a very good job of complaining about how hard it is to move through the field um, with this next gen car and I think it was with 18, 19 to go, right? Like, he had his penalty, had to go to the rear. The caution didn't come out, he was going to lose a lap. And he managed to drive to the front. So there's there's always a way to get to the front. And, you know, he just made the right... He gambled probably 20, 30 times, right, in those final laps on decision-making. And he kept hitting it and kept saying, okay, I'll go all in again, and just kept moving his way to the front, and it worked out for him. What has been able to have more of that conversation or we have more of that in depth look with what do you see or what do you learn from him? Um, or is it a matter of every year is different? It's just, it's hard I mean, every year is different, yes, right? Yeah. But, but like guys like, like Denny and Bubba continue to find their way at the find their way to the front or at the front of of the field right so just understanding their thought process and how they look at it um, and trying to mold that into something of my own that that makes sense for me um, if you try to run the race as a completely different driver I feel like that could be a challenging thing right because then you're instead of just doing what you think is best you're like okay what would Denny do what would Bubba do yeah. but, but certainly over time you know you can kind of shift your your own mindset and certainly the way that Bubba and Denny do it makes the most sense so hopefully over time it's something I can continue to shift more in their direction I think the way that they do about certain things you know um, I let's see the first year of this next gen car when I was at RCR I I mean I think I'd ran like half of the speedway laps that that were you know offered up to race on on the speedways la that first year you know, I got wrecked, I wrecked early in the 500. Atlanta won, blew a tire. Talladega, we blew up on lap four. Like, I just was very down on experience. Um, and we came into the Daytona 500 last year with 2311. I'm like, I just want to get some laps. And we wrecked early on just from a from an untimely push, right? We, we ran okay at Atlanta, but then we went to Talladega, and I wrecked being stupid on, like, lap 30. So, I mean, it just I was just so behind on experience last two years on what this car drafts like and how much it moves around and getting comfortable with that. That's just, it took like Talladega 2 and some of Daytona 2 to kind of catch up on that. And so I feel like I've caught back up a little bit, but I still got to, got some more learning to do. Do you have any favorite uh, stories? Oh, man. You would just always mess with me at the, it's like the, the best, worst times. Uh, 
he would just have a, a way of, of, of saying something and then looking at you that it just make you like like just crumble like oh, oh you know like oh no what did I what did I do what did I say how do you find out um, he just he, he did he's always always done a great job of you know kind of laying down the law but but also having fun with it and having good relationships with his drivers with with you know and, and with the teams as well um, there's not been many uh, series directors I've worked with that um, do the job quite like he does. Can you give me a sense in what you're talking about with Speedway Racing? Oh, and Jeff, sorry. And one thing that he always does too, and I'm sure you probably heard this a few times, every birthday, every Christmas, he never forgets, he always calls. I don't know if he sings a song. <laughs> I think he's done it once or twice, but I don't think he's done it every time. Yeah. Thank you. Um, in talking about working, sorry about that. Better, no, it's not. It's racing. Can you give me a sense of how that process compares to what you had, to, what you went through to get better at road course? Oh man. Obviously. I mean, so, so it means night and day different, right? Uh, the experiences you have um, on a road course or on a road course, you can recreate some of those situations in the simulator, go run laps and improve, right? With speedway racing, I mean, I've done a little bit on iRacing, right? But it is just, it's just not quite the same. Um, the only time you have opportunities to improve your speedway racing ability is by being on the racetrack and doing it. Um, you can watch film, you can do all these things, look at data, look at how people race. But again, you're just seeing how other people use the draft to like their advantage, if, if that makes sense. You've got to go out there and, and gain the experience in, in real life. And so being a little behind on that made that difficult. But I feel like the last two speedway races um, gained some good experience, like got a good understanding of what, what to do, what not to do. So hopefully we'll be in a better spot for this race. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Time for one more day. I'm, I'm sure okay. it's a good question to ask, but do you feel like are you ready to win it at this type of a track on that experience? I'm sure every driver feels like they can win. Looking, looking at how these speedway races have been been won with this car, I would say yes. Um, just just with how people have found their way to the front, decisions you got to make. Like, you know, certainly it's important to be able to push good or be. Um, be a good lead car, but, but certainly, you know, like you look at Blaney and how he won Talladega, you know, that was a product of working good with another car. You look at Ricky's win um, uh, at, at Daytona, when you look at what Denny did to get from last to, to fourth, you know, some of the ways that you find your way to the front or, or put yourself in these positions isn't necessarily just strictly about pushing good or being a good pusher. Uh, so I think there's multiple ways you can win this race for sure. Thank you. All right. The NASCAR Xfinity Series is where names are made. And at Daytona, those names are bringing a whole lot of smoke. Austin wants the smoke. Justin wants the smoke. Colin Haley give them all the smoke. There's plenty to go around, but remember, if you can smell the smoke, that means you're not the one making it. The NASCAR Xfinity Series at Daytona, February 17th. Get your tickets now at DaytonaInternationalSpeedway.com.
pretty pricey. So, Tony said you brought a new energy into the shop. Have you kind of felt a camaraderie with your teammates right off the bat? Yeah, I think uh, with with the other drivers, but uh, most importantly, all, all the individuals on the shop floor, upstairs, and engineering, just every department. Um, it's been a lot of fun to get to know everyone, and, and every day is something new. There's over 300 employees over there, maybe 350. I haven't got an exact number, but... It's a, it's a big organization, and every day something new. You're you're meeting somebody new and and get to know them. I've uh, been going to lunch with a lot of the guys, and just just been having um, a lot of quality time with them. So it's a great organization. It's nice. I know we hit on it prior, but having everything under one roof, uh, pit stop practice, gym to go work out, our trainer there, everything that we need other than the simulator at Ford. We have to go, I think it's like a 11 minute drive mm -hmm. down to Ford, so it's not far at all. It's uh, It's been really good so far. I've been spending you know, pretty much to 7 a.m. to 4 or 5 at night over there every day, and um, I'm enjoying my time a lot. I really fit in uh, with the, the atmosphere. Is, uh, there's a lot of energy in the air. Had you ever worked on race cars before? Um, I mean, I've, I've helped. I've never, like, built race cars. Um, I've always really envied guys but um, who do work on their own stuff. But, no, I'm not one that could go build a race car. I could help them nut and bolt stuff a little bit, the, the basics, right? But I like being a part of it. Um, the other day I just wiped down the whole chassis on the, the Vegas car just... I like doing the stuff that nobody wants to do, sweeping the floors and doing stuff like that. I know it's kind of um, probably overused, but it I I do enjoy sweeping and wiping stuff down. Just the, the probably the, the nonsense of the little things that you don't want to do, the headaches. Um, if I can help somebody else out, I like to do it. You've driven for gosh about every big name coming up through your progression to now, you know, Kyle in the truck series, Dale in the Xfinity series, now you get an opportunity for, you know, to drive a car with Tony's name on it in the Cup series, but you told me a couple years ago, and this has stuck with me, that there's no pressure in driving for a name, you put all the pressure on yourself, why? Uh, I think it's just the, the, the desire and the want to succeed, and... There's a lot of people that are a part of this. No matter what the driver is, there's tens to hundreds of people behind those drivers and that that allow us to do this. And um, everybody in those race shops, everybody that, that supports them from a close relationship standpoint, um, management, you know, logistics. There's a lot that goes into it, and um, yeah, the drivers get all the credit. Um, but I put a lot of pressure on myself at the end of the day to to be successful for those that that work hard. Uh, I guess for us drivers, um, 
it's a, it's a privilege to be able to go out here and, and race and um, I've regained my love for the sport um, or I might have lost appreciation over the um, past handful of years uh, than what I had as a kid. I've re refound that love for it and uh, I'm just grateful to be back and, and get to work. I was going to ask you about that because you've been at this race before but what are the emotions surrounding this week and kind of your second chance to level? Just, you know, for me personally, um, instead of getting on a plane, I get to get on a plane and fly down here and drive into the tunnel and look around and just really soak everything in because uh, it, it truly is a privilege and um, you know being able to wear a fire suit and talk to everyone and see faces that I haven't seen in a while it's it's uh, it's really special it's somewhat emotional just because I've I missed it and uh, it's it's great to be back. What about Stuart Haas Racing makes it feel like home for you? Uh, they just allow me to be myself and the group of people. Uh, it feels great to be wanted and appreciated. And um, the atmosphere over there is, is there's just a lot of good people who enjoy coming to work every day. And uh, it's a great work environment. I know I when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, man, I can't wait to go see everybody at the shop today and go work alongside them and, you know, continue to develop these relationships. So uh, it's just a place that suits me. Tony had made the remark a couple of weeks back that last year's performance at SHR basically, you know, can't stand for that. You know, that that's something that has to change. And I realize you're kind of coming in in the midstream of this and, and you know, weren't, weren't with that organization last year. But... Do you get the sense that it's like a kind of a double down type of year and, and that there's been a redoubling of effort to, to try to turn things around with everything that's going on this year? Absolutely, 100%. You can't, you can't hide the fact, and which I haven't been there and Josh hasn't been there, but there's no denying the fact that, yeah, they struggled. They went from winning how many races in, what, was it 21 or 22? 21, uh, whatever that year is when they all won races and had like 12, 13 wins as an organization. To now the only guy who has there's only one driver with one win. It's like it's challenging, right? But uh, I think we use it as motivation. We all want to be leaders. We all want to be the best teammates possible, and we all want to work together to be. A part of this deal it, it takes everyone's efforts and if we can be better than we were yesterday that's how we're going to be successful in the in the long run is if we can constantly keep improving and working together yeah uh, yeah definitely a, a, a reboot and um, it's incredible to, to get an opportunity like this um, the same time you know it there's going to be challenges along the way there's going to be adversity there's going to be you know good runs and bad runs but it's it's how you react to it and how you you keep on moving forward 
each and every race. It's it's easy when you're winning, right? And I've kind of learned that over the past couple of years is we're in the Xfinity Series and literally could do no wrong, and that might have been the best thing for me, but the worst thing of winning all those races because I kind of lost my grounding in a sense on, hey, i got to keep on working at this. It's not going to always come this easy as it did you know, my final year in Xfinity. And it was somewhat of a rude awakening in, in 2023. Um, obviously, we didn't unload with race-winning speed ever, so um, that was a big challenge. But um, we've done a lot of self-reflecting and soul-searching over the past handful of months and trying to become the best leader possible. I think that's what, you know, in 20 years when I look back and, I'll be like, man, if I was the best leader for my team and the the best piece of the puzzle for my team and did the best job, um, I'll be satisfied with myself. Yeah, there's a, a, a balance to that, obviously, and that's one of the things that I've been working on is just balance in life and and how I, you know, balance work from time to relax. And I mean, everything's about balance, no matter what it is. How you're, you know, if they load us up with interviews from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. today, and then we go jump in the car for qualifying, you're probably going to be a little worn out and not do as good of a job as possible. Like, it's just, there's a good balance today where we're doing it for a half day, and then you get a little time to regroup and then get in the car. Um, I mean, it's, it's an example of everything's about balance. So, that's one thing that I'm learning is, you know, balance on being a leader for a race team and how... Not only do my words influence others, but my body language and just everything, just being more self-aware um, has been a big part of finding finding myself and, and my process. And uh, it's not always going to be perfect, and I'm not perfect by any means, but I continue to try and learn and grow each and every day and, and become better than I was yesterday. He's been he's been a big big. Uh, big influence on me um, and being able to lean on him um, he's been through a lot of challenges and <coughs> adversity in, in his life and his career and um, to be able to lean on him for advice has been uh, very important to me. He didn't have an easy time when he first came in. Mm -hmm. What's it like to get called in the NASCAR holler when you did something on the racetrack <coughs> bad? And just let him say what they need to say and really just try and process it and absolutely don't argue at all <laughs> because you're just going to make yourself worse and uh, just try not when you're so frustrated in the moment you're probably like man this is my side of the story like you're not listening to me but NASCAR's point is probably the more realistic and right way to go about things and 
once you settle down and calm down, you can understand that. Was there any veteran driver like along the way that kind of gave you some words of wisdom about what how to handle yourself around NASCAR when you get called into the hauler? No, that's not really a a topic between anyone. I don't think. Um, probably just like shut up and let them talk and listen kind of deal. Uh, is that a big debate right now? I'm no, I'm going to oh. something else. I'm just kind of curious what drivers and how they handle. What yeah, I, I haven't really like office. talked to any of them too much. You always hear like stories every once in a while about like, oh, if I could be a fly on the wall for that one, you know, but um, no, nah, they all like take emotions out of it. Like, Emotions are a big part when you go in there, right? And that's probably why things are happening. Uh, once you push those aside, the picture becomes pretty clear. Did you and Ross went at Kansas? Did you guys get called to the hall at all? Uh, we did at Darlington. Afterwards. It was good. Um, it was fine. Yeah, no, no, it was, it was like cool. the guy that you got into a scuffle with the week before. Or? Well, no, I tested micros with him the next night <laughs> at Millbridge. Like, we work out together, and I... I called him after the race. I was like, "Nice shot," but if that security guard wasn't there, I was, I was coming out, wasn't stopping, and like, I hope you know that, like, it's part of it, and um, you know, it's just emotions. Yeah. Emotions of sport, and that's what, that's what makes this sport so exciting. Is the emotions are high and and the tension is tight, and you know, sparks are gonna fly, fists are gonna fly, and Smoke's going to rise, but at the end of the day, that's what makes the sport uh, so exciting. Yeah, we have a lot of great, great support and um, just relationships and being able to bring value to a partner and say, hey, What's our plan here? How do we achieve it and go above and beyond? And I can confidently say I think we do go above and beyond and, and try to. And uh, we got a lot of great, great partners that allow us to do this. And, uh, you know, it's great to be back with True Timber and Black Rabbit Coffee and, and kick off this relationship with uh, Ranger Boats and, and Winchester. It's, uh, it's really special. To be able to um, to introduce them on and a familiar scheme that we've had over the past handful of years in the Xfinity Series kind of brings me back to our roots and a little bit of my identity back. How hard is it to race in your hometown? Because I mean, you know, most people their hometown isn't Las Vegas, and I mean it's, yeah. it's such a city that has so many temptations around. How do you find the balance of keeping your eyes on the prize and you know? being at home, seeing your friends, having a good time, and all that Vegas has to offer? Well, I probably get it out during the off-season or when I go home for break and whatnot. Um, family still lives out there, and I stay at home when I go there, so I'm not in a casino, hotel, walking in my hotel room, so there probably isn't no, there's no temptation when I get home to go gamble or go to the bar or I'm not saying like I would do that but like there is a lot of distractions on the strip obviously but I don't, I don't know 
how it feel for other drivers when they win at Vegas. Like if that's a like it's obviously a special place for me being home, but I don't know if that's if other people look at that track like, man, I really want to win at Vegas because it's Vegas. Like I've always really wanted to win at Homestead because I love the track. Um, and there's destinations that you go to, and you're like, man, that place would be cool to win at. Like, but Vegas is a it's a crazy place. It's a cool place, and it's one place that I really do want to win at. Uh, I mean, how do you guys feel? Does Vegas feel different for you guys going there than other races? Or Absolutely. no? Absolutely. It does. Why? Why is that? I mean, it's a entertainment mecca. You know, it's. I mean, I don't see guys like Elliot Sadler coming in as I'm going out to the racetrack. I mean, you guys, you know, your generation's a little different than that, but... Um, <laughs> yeah. It, uh... Crazy stuff happens there. Yes, it does. So, the track specifically, you know, what's made you good at that track in the past? I mean, you've even been solid in a cup car there. Yeah, I don't... No, I really... It's not like my favorite track to race surface wise and like banking it's not bad but it's just just normal I guess kind of like Kansas is I mean they're fun to race but I don't I don't know if I do anything special there it just kind of works for me for whatever reason it's fun the bumps give it character which is cool um and I like wind. the wind gets tricky but I've never really been able to feel the wind in a in a race car for whatever reason I'm weird I don't know like it's weird do you stay when you go home do you stay in like your bedroom you grew up in stuff? uh well we moved a couple times since but yeah like it's your room though? it's my room yeah so like do you still have some of your stuff in there that's like untouched from when you moved out or whatever yeah yeah like I got like a little golden knights gold helmet and then uh Dude, I don't even know, like cowboy hat. No, uh, at at our old place, like where I really, really grew up. If I still live there, they'd all still be up. Um, but we have moved, and then my mom like kind of designed all my room and everything at the new place. So um, she's like, "You're not like I had my. You could ask Zayn Riley if you guys see them. Um, just ask him like." hey, how was Noah's room growing up? And, like, they have a lot of shit in there. Like, I had posters and diecast cars and just every knick-knack you could have. Sticker my whole shower window up with stickers. I mean, they'll laugh at it. They'll bag on me pretty hard, but um, it's pretty funny. I don't know. I like all that kind of stuff. Riley had a cool room growing up. Racing stuff, but they, like... uh, like this little basketball hoop. I'll we'll ask him about it. It's, it's pretty cool. What was your favorite knickknack you had in your room growing up? <laughs> that, uh, I had so many uh, things in there from. Like, I was at the grocery store when I uh, saw Ryan Dungey on a Wheaties box. Man, I gotta put that in my room. Like, <laughs> my mom calls me a hoarder, I'm a collector of cool stuff. I don't know. Um, I mean, I probably had 100 die-cast cars, posters, autograph cards, all hung up in my room. Like, still even, uh, 
I was racing Xfinity and stuff, like, had some of those guys' hero cards hung up on the wall and still in my bedroom and stuff, so. I can't narrow it down to one thing. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff, I guess. Who's better at basketball, you or Riley? Me, for sure. <laughs> Riley is not very good at basketball. <laughs> and, uh, on the subject of uh, this weekend, Not really. No, it's kind of like relearning the schedule and the routine again. Um, it's like riding a bike, I guess, where like I know everywhere I'm supposed to go and I'm like being on time and stuff, but it's like I haven't done this in a while, so it's like it's a little different changing pace in life. How important is it for you to get off to a fast start? You've got a really good run with Xfinity here at Daytona. How important is it for you? It's incredibly important, I think. Um, with the way, I don't know the rules this year, but in the past, it seems like if you could, when you go and practice and qualify and stuff, whatever group you're in and how early you go in those groups are pretty crucial. Um, so, that being said, they take where you're at in points. You're, I think it's fastest lap and where you finished the race before, and they calculate it all out. So, it's important to be good and start the season out with some points so you can go later in those rounds. And just, I mean, with the SMT, you just look at what other guys are doing, the fast guys, and just try and copy and paste it into your inputs behind the wheel and on the pedals. So, it's... You just see what other guys are doing. You get a way better idea than going first. Last year we went in the top three guys in every session. And it's like, all right. And then the, the track continues to get better. And uh, their cars were obviously I think, probably faster. I think your first um, top 15 last year came in Atlanta. And the drivers yeah. call it a hybrid. What is it about that track that makes it unique? Mm. like handling is an issue but like it's like a super speedway um, it's tight you need to be aggressive behind the wheel make lane changes um, the line around there with it being a a repave it's always very dusty um, and qualifying and pretty loose and then once you get in the race that dust kind of blows off and off, and the the rubber gets laid down, and the lane kind of migrates. But I don't know if we've seen a similar race. Um, it seems like we will ride around the top, a lane off the wall. Um, we'll be two lanes. We'll be three wide. There hasn't been one like general characteristic on how that race plays out, and. Um, Sometimes you can be wide open around that place, no problem, and it's super easy. And then other times you're, like, super sketchy and chasing the car. So uh, it's, a, it's a challenging track um, because it's just short enough to where you're, like, thinking about lifting, but you're hauling, hauling ass, too, at the same time that um, it's just it's fast.
Uh, I don't know if it's high. It feels comfortable. Like, it feels like a super speedway, like racing. Um, but at the same time, you're like, like here, you don't really like lift here in Talladega. You're not lifting a ton, based off the handling of your car. There, you're kind of lifting based off the handling of the car. So that treats it kind of like an intermediate track but then you're also pack racing utilizing air and all that which is like super speedway so i don't necessarily wish they all were like that but it's it's cool to have it every once in a while yeah wayne's like uh and you and jordan are on the hauler topics now Two different stories. oh okay i thought you were I just think about getting my ass chewed out by Wayne a lot. No, Wayne's been, uh, no offense to any other guys, but he's been the best series director I've ever worked with. And, uh, the most caring, he calls me and texts me all the time. I've developed a really great relationship with Wayne. And so, his raw, feelings of the sport from back in the day mixed with how things are changing and him being open-minded on that and bringing those together and saying he's not a guy to say whoa 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 let's pump the brakes and, re and think about this he's always had the driver's best interest in, in his thoughts and uh, you know there are tough conversations with him and but it's always for the better and, and we know that Wayne. Um, I look at him like a father figure to me and um, really appreciate him as a person and I don't want to say he takes me under his wing and I don't know his relationship with other guys and there's no favorites at all but I've developed a strong relationship with Wayne over the years and really appreciate his friendship and um, appreciate his dedication and efforts. Uh, he's been the best series director I've ever been a part of um, in any series, and he's light years away from the from the rest of the guys. Not saying the other guys are bad. That's just how far ahead he is and how good he is. No, you're actually the first one to ask me about it. I'm not married. My mom texted my sister texted me in a group chat yesterday, are you married? Like, you guys would know if I got married, like my mom and stuff, right? Like, so, I ordered this ring, it's an aura ring, and it tracks your, like, they got us on them over at Stuart Haas. Uh, like, your sleep score, and, like, your blood oxygen, your heart rate, and you can, like, track workouts. No, I don't know if it tracks energy, but it's got, like, these like holes and stuff it just tracks you well they didn't have half sizes and my right knuckle is way bigger i don't like i only wear like a ring on these two fingers i don't like them on any other finger well it, the only finger it fits on is my wedding my left hand wedding ring and now everybody thinks i'm married and i'm like man i don't want to wear this thing anymore like well, they don't do half sizes, so, like, the next size up, like, they can't, thank you. Next size up is, yeah, so, I don't know. It's good, 
good talking point icebreaker for people. Uh, it's been good. Yeah, I kind of hit on it earlier that it, it's been exciting to get to know those guys, and we all are trying to work together to for the common goal of having a successful organization and, and bringing trophies back to the to the shop. At the end of the day, it's special. We, I really enjoy working with those guys, and I'm excited. I think there's a lot of excitement in the shop, and... Uh, It's a privilege to get to do what we get to do, and I want to be a part of it. Not really. I don't. I don't know. If, I think we're just gonna react no matter what the it seems like on the speedways we could run single file on the bottom that's a fast line or we can go to the next week with the same exact cars and run double file like we're just kind of reacting to how the flow of the race is I don't know if it's because of the body changes or anything um, I'm sure there's going to be a little bit to get used to but I don't think the Chevy guys are like yeah, this race is going to be altered because of how the Fords could push. I, I think it's going to look close to how the Fords have always looked. The Toyotas, it's more about the drivers driving them. And it won't be a matter of, like, I need to make an aggressive move now to figure out how it's going to react. It's just well, you want to do that, yeah, to learn, but you also have the qualifying setup in it. So it's a little bit different. If you're chasing the pole or the front row, your stuff's probably not going to handle as good as it would on Sunday when you can you know, put your race set up in, and, um, so that's where I think, I think the duels are very, like, useful of, of learning, but at the same time, I think the, the duels are great because you have a big pack of cars to learn. Practice is great because you're going to have your race set up. If we could have our race set up in the duels, it'd be optimal, but we don't have that, so, uh, you never get the, the best of both worlds. <clears throat> I want to. Yeah, I think it's important just to to learn and any tra laps on track. I probably didn't do as good of a job. Not a lot of people want to practice down here where I want to be out on track as much as I can and just try and learn as much as I can, whether it be different references or see how my car is. Yeah, if you're riding around by yourself, it gets pretty boring and you're not learning a ton. But um, if you can get in a big pack, obviously there's a risk of wrecking it, but uh, they've already, they have, I don't know the word, reiterated to me. Yeah, I couldn't, couldn't spit that one out. Um, that they're like, hey, if we end up wrecking on the duel, like, fuck it kind of deal, you know? <laughs> Were you impressed with uh, Kyle Kessler's run last night? Incredibly impressed. Um, first race in a Super, 18 years old. Um, I've been able to spend a lot of time with him over the past handful of years. I really admire um, his work ethic and his ability to 
understand a race car. He builds all his own shocks, runs his data system. I mean, builds his race cars. Um, his dad, Scott Steckley, is a great guy, too. I've gotten to know them over the past handful of months, uh, probably the last half a year. And, like, we both push each other. We were down at the Derby together. He was running a pro late model car. But now that he had his first super late model race, we can really start talking. And um, I lean on him a lot to learn about different stuff about a race car. And um, probably with my experience, he, I've, he's been leaning on me for... Um, maybe how to drive them and, and f figure them out. Um, but he's got the raw natural ability, Kyle does, and um, I'm really impressed with him. There's there's a lot of young guys in the asphalt late model world, but uh, him and Cole Raz are two guys that really stick out in my mind that um, it's never who I was, but I, I really envy them and, and um, wish I had their mindset and their work ethic on I mean they're fabricating their own stuff um, you know Cole obviously uh, but it's it's impressive to see how young they are um, it's, it's something I never had that I wish I I did yeah it's it's different and um, I got to go up there and race against him and and late models and Pinties and stuff and the stuff's really hooked up up there and and uh, and all those series up there. Um, sure, if we could have brought our car up there and raced them, we probably would have been a lot more competitive. But um, you know, it's a big learning experience. He he's won everything up there. And coming down to the states, I mean, last night's show at, at New Smyrna, the ASA Stars race, that's a that's a big race. There's 47, 47 drivers, right? Um, is that how many took time? So, it's a uh, it's an incredible field. Uh, yeah, it's you know you haven't seen that in a long time. And uh, normal race weekend, I mean, we saw it at North Wilkesboro, but we don't really see big races like that um, other than the Snowball Derby and stuff. So. It's are they? How many cars? Oh shit! Wow, that's that's incredible to hear. I don't, I don't, I don't care how they do it. If you can get 50 cars, and I don't care what they look like. That's that's healthy. The sport is continuing to be on the upward trajectory. So that's uh, that's really good. But yeah, Kyle. I mean. It's a lot different. He's driving it like a pro lit model, um, but he's hard on himself too. But he's very focused, and I really admire him a lot. The NASCAR Xfinity Series is where names are made, and at Daytona. Those names are bringing a whole lot of smoke. Austin wants the smoke. Justin wants the smoke. Cole and Haley, give them all the smoke. There's plenty to go around, but remember, if you can smell the smoke, that means you're not the one making it. The NASCAR Xfinity Series at Daytona, February 17th. Get your tickets now at DaytonaInternationalSpeedway.com.
So do you have an infield pass? Maybe a I got a lot. I got they gave Teddy a lot in. But you got the only thing I don't have is this. Like like that that. You got the He's a retired. Oh, he knows. Yeah. He knows. I've been in the able picture. I ain't got the <laughs> And when I go in there, though, I always make sure because I don't want anybody else in there to go up on the captain. He's stuck in. So I keep it. Would you keep it like this? Normally, it won't stay right here. Normally. It stays on this side of the time anyway. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I'll make a trip. I should have wrapped. I should have seen it. <laughs> but Chris, what he said not only works here, it works everywhere. When you're trying to go in an area where you know you got all this action, all this other shit, right? 